This is People, Places, and Passions, a podcast that explores the happenings with the people in the city of Altoona, Wisconsin. I'm Scott Montesano, joined by City of Altoona personnel. We've got Mike Golak, the city administrator here in uh, in Altoona, and he's brought along a guest to talk about a, a topic that is always timely here in the Chippewa Valley. So, Mike, how's it going? I'm doing well. Enjoying the winter weather, of course. <laughs> now, uh, who'd you bring along today? Today we have a longtime friend of Altoona, Joyce Orth. Joyce, uh, I met Joyce well, probably close to 19 years ago now as she played an instrumental role in the administration department at the school. And we had a lot of partnerships that we've worked on over the years. And she's currently a community engagement engagement specialist, specialist for another uh, organization that had its founding in Altoona and that's Fierce Freedom. Fierce Freedom. Yeah. Well, Joyce, I know a lot of people will see information about Fierce Freedom come up, uh, very active on social media, always try to get your name out into the into the local media and what have you, but I don't think this is something that can ever be explained enough. What exactly is the organization and its focus? Well, Fierce Freedom is an upstream organization that works in prevention and education of our community in terms of human trafficking. So our mission is to end the cycle of human trafficking and exploitation. We do that through educational opportunities and empowering our community to come alongside us. And then along with that, everything we do starts at the platform and foundation of um, each individual's dignity and worth. And then everything we do, we build on that. It's our starting place. And again, I think this is something, too, that can never be reiterated enough. Because uh, I know having members of the organization on some of the other podcasts that we have, it, it's something that isn't just right out there in the open for people to see so it's it's easy for us to kind of conveniently forget that it does happen here in western wisconsin and and not that you guys want to be the bearers of necessarily bad news but it does exist right in our own neighborhood doesn't it it does indeed and you're right we don't want to be the bearers of bad news but you're so right we have people who come to us all the time seemingly in shock because they knew nothing of this travesty that does happen in our communities. Um, we have one survivor that we work with. Her human trafficking story began in the streets of Eau Claire, and then she ended up all over the country and maybe beyond our borders even as a trafficking victim. And she just regained her freedom within the last couple of years. So I, I, th I think that's a really good good point scott to to bring up because you know it, it's very uh easy and it's easy for me to go naively through my day not not thinking about that because you know when you think of human trafficking you think of traditional things uh in in bigger cities where there's someone standing on a corner perhaps and you know you you don't you don't see it like that what so you know one of the things I think is important in this realm is is for people to recognize it right and and 
know what to do when when they they see it and again it may not be as overt as it is in other places but what are some of those things that people in our community need to be mindful of with regard to this issue which as you said is is prevalent it's just not in your face as it is in other places right that is that is the um between the rock and the hard place scenario because um, we used to always tell people readily to call the human trafficking hotline because that's what we were all told and what you know we'd say at every presentation get out your phone put this phone number in your phone if you see something say something and unfortunately the human trafficking hotline is not set up to help people who think they see something that might be human trafficking. The human trafficking hotline is set up for victims to receive help. So um, it really is hard. Uh, we do have resources um, at our disposal that we direct people to when they call us. Last summer, we had a law intern, and she set up a resource that is online on our website so that somebody who thinks they may see somebody who is being trafficked can use as a resource or somebody who is a victim can use as a resource. What does human trafficking look like in our area? Yikes. More often than not, than not the people who are trafficked know their trafficker. So it's somebody that's in their life. Their boyfriend, somebody within their family or extended family. Um, it's, it's not that scenario of somebody on the street corner being taken. So uh, this is disturbing right <laughs> well it, it 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 is disturbing and it's so difficult to discern basically i mean um you, you see someone with their boyfriend right or or there may be someone that uh gets into it by themselves right mm -hmm. with, without someone coercing them and and then they become a victim of 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 the business or the True. itself and and um how to recognize that in a community like this or any community is is very difficult so do you do you focus more on getting the word out for people to recognize it and report it or for the victims to have resources to come forward themselves or is it is it do you work on both fronts probably more with the community in in um in recognizing it and just realizing that it is happening um, one of the really important trainings is with law enforcement is with medical people because sure. some of you know some of the signs are things that you as an ordinary person aren't going to see somebody who doesn't have access to uh, their identification, a driver's license or an ID, a passport. They don't have their own money. They're not in control of the daily things that we take for granted. You wouldn't know that unless you're, you know, perhaps 
a law enforcement officer or somebody who's, who encounters this person in a hospital setting. Sure. You know. This is going to be one of those, those deep questions. Um, and uh, it's not necessarily that I agree with this, but I'm going to throw it out there because I want to see what the, uh, the answer is. And that is, if the, if the individual doesn't feel as though they're being trafficked, if they don't feel as though they're a victim, how, in fact, are they a victim? Wow, yeah. <laughs> that, that is a very good question. And statistically, people do not recognize that they are a victim. It's just the way my life is right now. So it is. That's very hard, and it makes it even that curve even harder for, for that community member to know how to help. Right, but, but, that, but that trauma puts them on a path that is difficult to uh, address um, all the dysfunction and, and emotions and everything that comes with that. Even if they yeah. get out of it, they need, they need help even if they don't feel a victim at the time. Do you want to, do you want to pivot a little bit here to the organization itself? Uh, I, I know uh, a little while ago there, there was worries about the organization maybe not being able to continue, but it does seem like it's uh, found uh, its footing. I know Kat's very active in the, in the community. Uh, I think that's something you guys probably feel grateful that the community was able to, to rally and, and make sure that this organization is still around. Yes, that was um, a year ago. Um, October of 2022 is when we kind of were in that financial crisis. And so we started our end of year campaign a month early. And our goal was to raise $100,000. And we, it was, we ended up at about 80000 So we did really well. Um, our events typically do do well and that really helps carry us through uh, recurring givers are are unbelievable I mean that's really one of the things that really helps nonprofits get along but the biggest is that um, Valley Brook Church has given us free space so we do not have the monthly overhead that we had prior with um, you know, a monthly lease and um, utilities. utilities, even Wi-Fi. So um, that has been a godsend. So what what is your overall funding model? Do you, do you get grants besides the 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 donations? Yep, we apply for grants and have had some success in the in the past with getting some pretty good grants in. What does it, what does the organizational structure look like? We have a board of directors. Okay. Um, we recently just added four new board members to our board, so it's really solid and growing, and I think that's a really good sign as well. And then and then your administrative structure. Is there is there just one paid position? No, Kat. We have th we have three employees. Okay. Kat, myself, and then we have a remote employee um, that does our operations. Okay. And what, as you look at the organization strategically, 
what are your priorities for the future as as you look towards addressing this this issue well this year we have three main focus points and one of them is um, elevating survivors voices so one of the things that um, that we're going to do throughout this year is to make sure that there is accurate and informed survivor media that we we're producing and getting out there. Um, we also are decreasing barriers to accessing our educational materials. In the past, there was a cost for um, certain things and we don't want money to be a barrier to our communities being able to learn about human trafficking. And then the other thing is collaboration with other nonprofit agencies and agencies, um, governmental or whatever. So taking down also the walls of, um, uh, sometimes with nonprofits, there's kind of um, a competitiveness sure. for funding. And so we are trying to take those walls down. So we started last July at our O Freedom Fun Run. We invited nonprofits in to come and be a part of our um, our evening and didn't charge them to have a booth and just, you know, make it a community-wide event. And that's going to be an important part of our focus going forward. We need each other. You know, look, looking at that, I think that's a, that's a good way to kind of pivot to something else here. You, you look at all the nonprofits, and in some cases, there's nonprofits that are overlapping each other and some that are off on their on their own. And I know it's it's not necessarily as easy as when businesses merge and they can focus on individual things and whatnot. But would it ultimately be better to have that, to have just a just a few nonprofits all with different departments as opposed to all of these individual ones, just speaking myself as a, as a business owner in the area, you're routinely hit up for donations to various nonprofits. And it's not that you don't want to, you know, you, you view one more important than another. Ultimately, we probably give the less because there's so many asking that you're ultimately only giving to the one that really means something to, to you because you can't say yes to everybody. Yeah. Yeah, that's part that's part of the issue and I belong to um 100 women who give and I am blown away by the number of nonprofits that we have around oh, yeah. here. Yeah. And doing really great work. We are nonprofit rich. <laughs> yeah. So Joyce and maybe we should have started with this but this this podcast is about um, passion. You know, we like to hear from people that are passionate about things and and why they are. So, two things: whose idea was this to start Fierce Freedom? When did it start? Why was it a passion of theirs? And I know you've been involved pretty much from ten the years. Ten years. So, tell me about why it's a passion for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Ten years ago, well, a little more than ten years ago, I saw a documentary called Nefarious, 
and um, it really messed with me. Um, it was about human trafficking, and it shows human trafficking in different parts of the world and here in the United States, how it's the same and how it's different. But when I left that day, I saw people differently. It's like like my, my heart was um, torn apart, and I... I could look at people and I could like almost see their pain and I don't know. I just, I couldn't be the same after that. So I kept, um, what am I going to do about this problem of human trafficking? And then 10 years ago, um, for my 55th birthday, I heard myself say, hey, I'm going to do a fundraiser for my 55th birthday. And so I did a birthday for a cause. And at that time, I did not even know Fierce Freedom. But I ended up meeting Fierce Freedom, Jenny Almquist, who was the founder and then executive director, and said, hey, I'm, I'm doing a, a fundraiser for my 55th birthday at Banbury Place. My friend Sandy owns a store there. Um, can I raise money for you? And my goal was to raise $550. Of course, she said, yeah, that'd be great. So um, so I did that. In addition to Sandy's, almost all of the stores in, in Banbury Building 13 came on board and gave a percentage of sales. That day, we ended up raising about $1,200, I think. And then I went on to do um, Freedom Boutiques for them. We had matching funds and ended up raising $15,000 at those events. Wow. And um, also did um, did a benefit concert as well that we raised 15000 at. Wow. So that's, that's how I got started as a volunteer with Fierce Freedom. And then I s became employed by Fierce Freedom in um, 2021. What's a a win for your organization of course you guys have this very large goal that you know it, it's not going to be achieved tomorrow It'd be great if it was it's not going to be achieved tomorrow in which you completely eradicate this and not only does it not exist but there's no chance of it ever coming back mm -hmm. so on a on a day-to-day week-to-week basis what are the wins that keep you guys motivated well, one big win has been, um, I, I've alluded to a survivor that we've worked with um, in the over the last year, and her name is Emily. And Emily is a win um, because she has been able to break those chains and see life on the other side. Um, the first time that I heard her story. Actually, it was over a course of two days and over the course of several hours in those two days. The thing that struck me is what, from a tiny little girl, um, she never knew that there was any hope, that she just thought this was her life and she had, she had nothing. And to see her now know what hope is, I, to me, that's that's the win, and that's what keeps me going. 
Well, as we begin to wind down uh, this podcast here, uh, a couple of things we've got. Oh, we've got to got to end on a fun question too in just a moment. But what do you guys have coming up? It looks like you got something right there. So, what are some things to keep in mind? Uh, as it looks like you've got yourself a March event coming up. Well, actually, we have a couple of March events, and since we just talked about my birthday ten years ago, I would be amiss if I didn't <laughs> say that. In uh, a few days, on March 1st, I'm going to be now 65. Um, my friend um, at Shine On Boutique has put a, a process in place for nonprofits to do fundraisers. And so over the course of my birthday, uh, we're doing, um, uh, Fierce Freedom is doing a nonprofit Close for a Cause it's called and I my my friend who's in the fashion industry in New York has been sending me gowns and cocktail dresses <laughs> so um, we've got that fundraiser that will be going on at shine on boutique where, where is shine on B- boutique it's on Fairfax so real close to Hy-Vee okay in that shopping center that sure. prevail bank is in okay yeah and then um, our big annual fundraiser celebration, Night of Freedom and Hope, is coming up on March 8th. This year, we've got a completely new vibe going with the event. Um, it is going to be at the Lismore, and we are having a VIP event that is from 5.30 to 6.30 for 30 people. And then the main event follows from 7 to 8.30. And we've got um, the main event will serve a dessert bar and hors d'oeuvres, and the VIP event will be deluxe hors d'oeuvres. So live music with Emily uh, Watkins. So what kind of music is that? I think she's going to do a little jazz, okay. dinner, dinner jazzy kind of music. Okay, all right. And again, uh, I know you guys are very active on the, the socials and whatnot, so everybody get out, get more information on that. Hey, before we let you go, what are some of your favorite things about Altoona? You got Mike right here. You know, you pat him on the back. <laughs> well, I I can't speak for what's happening now because I haven't been involved in it. But I mean, we go way back to active and live in Altoona days, yeah. and we had some really good stuff going. Yeah. Well, and I see I see uh, Joyce down at River Prairie a lot. Yes. Yes. Yeah, that, that's one of those great people watching spots too. Is River Prairie? It's become that. Uh, we love it. Especially once you you know it's already getting nicer weather now, but we get into uh, spring and summer. If you want to run into somebody, just plop yourself down at River Prairie. You'll probably see somebody you know within yeah. ten fifteen minutes. And Mike will be out there dancing. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> that's why I want to know what kind of music's at the. <laughs> <laughs> Night of Freedom and Hope. See, we can see if there's going to be dancing. Well, we, g- we will have room for a dance floor. Okay. Yep. Well, again, J- Joyce, thank you so much for joining us. And as we uh, we said earlier on in the program, this is not necessarily uh, a, a happy topic, if you will. But sometimes we got to be reminded that stuff goes on. And, and I think education is very much a sometimes awareness and education get overplayed with some nonprofits because you kind of need the action here it really is about the education and the awareness because it is so kind of hidden if you will it's it's not something you don't just walk down the street look at somebody and go oh 
they need help. It, it very is, it's very much tied in, woven in, if you will. So the more we know about it, uh, the more education and awareness is. That's probably how we're able to ultimately bring this to a conclusion. I, I do want to end actually by, by saying thank you to everyone that works for Fierce uh, yep. Freedom and especially to you, Joyce, who's you, Mike. been probably the longest tenured person with that organization at this point. So thank you so much. And great to see them still going on. It's one of those things that if they had disappeared, we probably wouldn't have realized what uh, we had lost until it was too late if that had uh, occurred. Joyce, thank you so much. Thank you so much.